New Year's are like restart buttons. You think you can push the button and start things all over again, but then you realize your life is too messed up to be restarted fresh. Hello and welcome to episode 310 of Under the Call of MS. This is a Tuesday Comics and MS Health episode. Uh, it's New Year's week, so that was just some weird New Year's saying. Threw up there. And we are going to start out with the comics portion of this. And we checked out Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars. Uh, four issue run. It's not that Secret Wars. <laughs> Back in 1984, the world's greatest heroes were taken to space by the Beyonder. For a secret war to slay their enemies and win their greatest desires. But it seems the bad guys got the same message and they're out for blood. And <clears throat> throat's nice and scratchy to start off. So basically, the Beyonder set all this up. We get to see. Uh, couple space platforms out in a universe don't know what universe it is or where they're at for sure but we see a lot of good guys together we see a lot of bad guys together we see deadpool mixed in with the good guys which is kind of like does he belong there and magneto's in there so it's like, are these really all the good guys, or are they mixing characters up? But there's two cons- constructs with pe- people, a ton of people on the pla- platforms. So it's the character they're assuming is one's full of good guys, one's full of bad guys, and there's just going to be this mega fight for... For the Beyonder's attention, I guess. For the Beyonder's powers. uh, Winner take all. Winner gets some special requests or special privileges. But throughout here, even with all the good guys together and all the bad guys together, they still separate into their own little sex. You got the X-Men separating themselves from the Avengers and all that stuff. And takes a while for them to start working together and actually do some teaming up. And while the two entities, two groups are are clashing together, we got uh Good old Deadpool taking on Kane the Conqueror and going after him. But a bunch of things happen along the way, and Deadpool ends up becoming a pretty boy. He loses his cancerous flesh through some things that happen. We have a bonus round contest of champions thing that 
says uh, even earlier the Grandmaster and the Unknown gathered gathered our heroes for a contest of champions. Here's the never before seen final battle. So you get this big battle of all the characters going on. Should make for a fun video game the way they had this laid out. And then Deadpool starts whining because he wants chats and everything. It's like, for some reason you're tossing us certain characters off to the side and not acknowledging us. And yet unknown characters are very limitly very lightly known characters that Deadpool tries to stand up for, like Rocket Racer. You got Frogman. <laughs> She-Man thing. Dupe. Gotta have Dupe in there. The Pink Sphinx. The Vile Tapeworm. Howard the Duck. And Deadpool. So after a bunch of whining, Deadpool gets his way, and these two can't these two camps clash and fight it out for some more opportunities along the way. But this was an enjoyable run. It was interesting how they did it all. I don't think I read any of the regular Secret Wars, so I don't know. If this parodied off it, or what it was all about, uh, but it was interesting seeing how Deadpool gains his regular skin, gets rid of the cancerous stuff. Sadly, see a lot of characters that things happen to throughout this run, but I mean, personally. I'd rather have the cancer-ridden Wade Wilson because this blonde, blondie here is kind of scary looking. So we had number four, what number four had to offer here for a little relay for us to read. It's like he's got, every one of them's got the Secret Wars stuff scribbled out on the first page. It's like this page says, no, not that Secret Wars, the other one. No, not that one either, the first one. All right, back in 1984, all the heroes and villains were put on a special planet to duke it out. And Deadpool, me, was there. I got healed, all romance novel handsome, too. So did Dr. Doom. Good for him, that guy really needed a win. Oh, but towards the end, a bunch of heroes died, and my smoking hot alien girlfriend, Zaji, turned all wrinkly old saving them. I'm doing a flashback thing. It's all the rage. Deadpool's secret, secret wars. But it was, it was a fun story watching these, everybody clash. All the things that happened seeing abilities of characters that I never even knew existed. Getting to see what they did. What they could do along the way. But yeah, it's... I suggest checking it out. It was a fun run by Marvel Comics. Four-issue run. Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars. 
Then I can't remember what this one was about. And a lot of these are, of course, I read a while ago in the past week, and I got to try and remember what's up with them. But this was uh, Marvel Superhero Spectacular number one. And in this one, we get kind of like a space circus going on, an interstellar space circus. And in this circus, a bunch of characters get tested along the way. And characters such as Black Widow, Iron Man, Hulk, Hawkeye, Thor, and Captain America from the Avengers. And from the Guardians of the Galaxy, we have Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot. And we also get uh, the amazing Spider-Man in here. But they go to check out this interstellar circus spectacular that's happening on, like, the spaceship. And Spider-Man goes with Aunt May and they kind of get memorized, memorized, mesmerized, kind of get hypnotized. Hypnotize me. I've been hypnotized. Uh, yeah, everybody in the crowd's got these little goofy looks. Their eyes got like this golden glow to them. See all these beefed up monstrous characters we've never seen before and then find out that the Avengers and Guardians are kind of being trapped on this interstellar circus thing and their powers get drained and then they get put into acts for the circus and you gotta see what happens. See who can weed their way through the power surges and who can do what to get their way th get them out of being in prison and get themselves back to the way they used to be. <laughs> Star-Lord, of course, picks on Rocket in here. <laughs> As usual, it's lots of fun watching those two banter back and forth. But yeah, it was fun watching the superheroes not be so super and have to deal with all the things happening around them and have to try and solve situations without having powers, all their powers, and using their brains instead of their brawn. But that was a lot of fun. Just a short, little, simple one-shot story. And then another one-shot we have is Star-Lord Annual number one by Marvel Comics. And then I'll start it out with what they have here. And nice thing about these. A lot of these things are reading have a lot of great people that are part of it, including Chip Zdarsky, Colin Bunn, and stuff. Uh, but this is Star-Lord Annual. Peter Quill is the half-alien, half-human, son of the former king of Spartax. 
and Meredith Quill of Earth. Armed with his element guns and alien helmet, Quill has spent much of his life roaming the cosmos in search of adventure as a part-time guardian of the galaxy and a full-time gunslinger. It's been hectic for Peter lately, from the superhero civil war that exploded when the Hulk was killed, a war that became so dire even the Guardians were pulled to Earth and into the fray, to the team's subsequent breakup that stranded Peter alone in New York City, where he was harassed by his angry half-sister from Spartax. It's been a tough time to be Star-Lord. But now that, now that Peter... But now that Peter's team is back together and up to their usual tricks in space, everyone should or everything should be good, right? Ah, of course not. Peter's always getting in trouble. This one had the old western cowboy feel to it. And Peter's trapped in this environment. And along the way, we get to see character get killed. Uh, character that needs to get revenge. Because they tried to play by the rules. And of course, the rules didn't matter. They still got Still go through torture and abuse. And we get to see Peter Quill trying to deal with it. An entity that can't really be harmed by many of the elements that Peter controls. And this character is, is a very dark character. But along the way, Peter gets a little help from Bruce Banner, who just happened to be there, thankfully, because Peter needed a hand in dealing with this entity, this powerful entity. But it was an interesting Western-style storyline. And Peter does what he can to try and save the day and help everybody out along the way. And you get to find out what happens with the rest of the Guardians and what's going on with the, the group throughout that. But it was enjoyable. Nice, simple little Star-Lord annual one-shot. And then the last one we got here is Venom, number one to three. From Marvel Comics. I don't know where the whole storyline lays. What all happened before this. And they do have a little update for us. Years ago. Eddie Brock was a reporter. Whose career was ruined. After the Amazing Spider-Man revealed. That he had falsified a story. Distraught. Brock contemplated suicide and went to his church to ask forgiveness in preparation for taking his own life. 
Instead, he found a kindred spirit, an extraterrestrial parasite alien called a symbiote that Spider-Man had inadvertently brought to Earth and rejected after discovering its true nature. Sensing Brock's shared hatred of the wall crawler, the creature bonded with him and the two were joined. Recently, Eddie discovered that he had a son, Dylan, kept secret by his long-deceased ex-wife, Annie Wine. In the weeks that followed, Dylan has been by his father's side and faced down serial killers and space gods. Now the fallout has left Dylan as the host to the alien organism that once inhabited his father, binding them not only by blood, but by venom. So Eddie Brack, something happened to him, he's dead. His son Dylan's kind of taking over the symbiote. The symbiote's hanging with him, working with him, trying to... They're trying to get a whole thing clicked together going on here. There's We get to see a storyline of, of what happened previous with four symbiotes that Eddie was off dealing with up in space. And one of the symbiotes just happened to be corrupted. Had red eyes and had this obsession with Eddie. And ends up harming people along the way that they're trying to protect. And we get to see what what's going on with all that in space. While at the same time we're seeing Dylan dealing with all kinds of crap. With people fighting with him in school and all that stuff. And Dylan's got this awesome little cat called Sleeper. That's like a golden black red-eyed symbiote cat himself. He can turn into a larger symbiote. But he's also there, I'm assuming, as a protector for Dylan that Eddie must have set up along the way. Eddie and Benham. And Dylan's unsure about having the whole Venom taken over the Venom outfit, the Venom symbiote. And throughout this, we get a little, we get lots of different little synopsises back to uh, Eddie's what happened to Eddie and what's going on and what happened in the past and all that stuff. Eddie leaves Dylan a message before he apparently dies, gets blown up. Uh, other people have some information for Dylan also along the way to help Dylan out. And it's just, it's interesting seeing Dylan's, Dylan's upbringing into the 
whole symbiote world and i'm not sure and personally you could just leave dylan as he is <laughs> keep venom as the symbiote dog protecting dylan and the cat hanging out with him protecting dylan and that would be a good enough story right there and that i just love watching those the dog and the cat symbiotes just dealing with their, with all the stuff, helping Dylan out along the way. But I'm sure eventually Dylan's going to get totally taken over. In the third issue, it got to the name that they have for that issue is Escalation Part 1. It talks about recently the Wicked Web Slinger. Discovered that he had a son, Dylan. Now Eddie has become a god himself. The king in black and ruler of all symbiotes. And he's using his abilities to protect the universe and guide symbiotes into a new era of peace. But after a bizarre and seemingly impossible series of events, Eddie Brock is dead. And Dylan only narrowly escaped after doing the one thing he promised his father he never would, bonding with and becoming Venom. I mean, someone's got to take over the symbiote, someone that, that hopefully isn't completely psychotic, so we need that. But I didn't get in on the King of Black series. I wish I would have. I wanted to, but it just was another one of those big ones where it just got too many side stories and all that stuff, so I never got into it. I think I might have got one or two one-shots from the storyline, but that was it. I don't even remember those, but I do remember reading a couple stories where the King in Black did make references or appearances to that character. So, I one I'll eventually check out, but I want to see where this Venom's going. I'm assuming Dylan is going to be the new Venom character. I just hope that he keeps Sleeper to Cat with him if he is going to take over the symbiote. But we'll have to see. This was the first three issues. Fun run. Great artwork. Great storyline. Check it out. But other than that, uh, let's see here. I think I could end this with a. Well, since we got the dog and cat symbiotes, may as well do a picky pickles tails. Uh, couple cartoons with the cat muffin and roscoe the cat and dog yeah opal ma sitting on and of course the phone's gotta start ringing i don't think it's for me but i suppose i better take it oh no they already hung up i guess i'll get back to this instead <laughs> 
Someday I'll have a studio where I don't have to worry about all the background issues. If I keep the podcast going, I don't get kicked off the air pretty soon. We got Opal sitting out in her front yard. She's got a box full of kittens. Should have got muffin fixed. Kittens for sale, $15 each. References required. (laughs) She has on the sign next to her. And the top of the panel says kitty marketing, first week. Now it's kitty marketing, second week for the second panel. Kittens for sale, $10 each. Nice people only. (laughs) Kitty, Kitty marketing, third week panel. She has a new sign, kittens for sale. $5 each. No questions asked. (laughs) Kitty marketing the fourth week, the final panel. She's got a sign on her chair that says inquire within. And then the sign next to the chair says free kittens. Six months supply of cat food included. (laughs) That's why you get them fixed and you're not stuck trying to get rid of them. There are plenty of cats out there in the world. All right. We got Opal all decked out in a workout uniform. <laughs> 80 year old lady wearing a 20 year old's outfit. And poor dogs sitting, laying in front of the TV, Roscoe. Getting ready for her to work out. TV says, in aerobics, it's important to individualize your workout. In other words, listen to what your body is telling you. All of a sudden, you hear a rumble, rumble, rumble. Her her stomach starts grumbling. Roscoe the dog looks up. She looks down at Roscoe and says, you're my witness. It specifically asked for cheesecake. (laughs) So much for working out today. Hey, right, next set of panels, we got Earl drinking coffee. Slurping away, sitting on the front porch. A dog walks by, just a strange dog. The dog says, anything good on TV tonight? As he's, the dog's talking to the cat. Okay, it is it is Roscoe and Muffin talking to each other, just... It looked like a different dog. It didn't have that half black face. The patch over his eye and stuff. I couldn't quite see it, but it's it's Roscoe talking to Muffin. Muffin talk, says back to Roscoe, Garfield special at 8 o'clock. Earl looks into his coffee and pours it out. <laughs> it's like the cat and dog are talking to each other. What the hell am I drinking here? I think Opal might have spiked his morning coffee. All right, you got Opal watering her plants, talking to her plant. Says, how would mommy's little baby like a nice drink of water? My, my, we were thirsty, weren't we? As she's just pouring away with her little watering container. And then you see, next panel, you see Muffin Popper head up out of the plant with an angry look on her face. The word balloon says, how would mommy like her pantyhose shredded? <laughs> Muffin got soaked with water. He shouldn't have been in the plant. 
Yeah, yeah, early outside yelling for Roscoe. Driving around yelling for Roscoe. Where are you, Roscoe? And he gets back. Him and Opal are standing out on the front porch. It's no use. I've looked everywhere. Poor Roscoe. I'm afraid something awful may have happened to him. Next panel. <laughs> we see a certain character carrying a lumped over Roscoe. He followed me home. Can I keep him, Mom? Can I? Can I? Huh? Can I? <laughs> It's Bart Simpson as he has Roscoe. Roscoe in his hands trying to get Marge to let him keep it. It's like, you can't keep Roscoe. You got Santa's little helper. That's your dog that you find. Then we have the further adventures of Roscoe the Lost Dog. Soon to be released as a major motion picture. Or maybe not. <laughs> Narrowly escaping the clutches of a strange, spiky-haired, bug-eyed kid, Roscoe roams the alleys and back streets, looking for the way home, relying on his keen sense of smell and his trusty canine instincts. He travels onward, even on, ever onward. Obviously, lassie he ain't, as he walks past a sign pointing the opposite way to home. All right, we'll get back to you with more goodies right after this with MS and health stuff. All right, let's get into some MS health stuff. Let's talk about progression for multiple sclerosis. Over the past few decades, the quality of life and life expectancy for people with multiple sclerosis has improved significantly. They aren't sticking us in boxes, electrocuting us, chopping us up. MS is a neurological condition that affects nearly 1 million American adult, we don't we don't like using those numbers because you don't have exact numbers without really having some true numbers. But new medications have slowed the progression of the condition. However, people will generally experience a progression of MS symptoms and severity throughout their lives. There are four stages or types of MS progression. CIS, clinically isolated syndrome. RRMS, such as relapse and remitting multiple sclerosis. SPMS, which is secondary progressive MS, where I'm at right now. And primary progressive PPMS. There is no one set timeline of course or course of MS, but knowing the stage can help you understand and manage your MS. If you're in clinically isolated syndrome, CIS, an episode of neurological symptoms lasting at least 24 hours. These are the things that characterize the diagnosis. Diagnosed after a single episode. An MRI shows one area of myelin damage from the episode. More than one area of myelin damage indicates a different MS stage. So if you just got like one black spot on your MRI, I'm guessing they aren't allowing one to be spinal and one to be in the brain. I'm guessing if you have one in each area, they're going to push you up to relapse and remitting. 
which they should, and because CIS can stay at that and not ever advance also, so. But with relapse and remitting MS, it's characterized by a pattern of relapse and remission. People with RRMS often have no symptoms during remission periods. I don't like how they state that because often have no symptoms during a remission period. I considered my relapsing remission and remission periods being relapse would be when I'd have a severe attack. And remission would be when everything would simmer down. But I was still numb from my ribs to my toes, my forearms to my fingertips. I still had bouts of electrocution, stabbing, numbness, fatigue, burning, cutting, uh, just cognitive issues, just tons of different things. So I don't know why it would be have no symptoms during remission periods. I disagree with that. You could still have symptoms during that period. I have a kitty cat that wants to come and say hi. He was sleeping on the bed all nice and comfy. So I was getting some podcasts out of the way while he was sleeping, but now a little Purrosaurus wants to come hang out with me. So getting back to relapse and remitting multiple sclerosis after I tucked the cat's little bum in. Yeah, got to tuck you in so you don't fall down off me. Symptoms generally occur, well, symptoms generally only occur during a relapse. I just don't agree with this. So then I'd never had relapse and remitting? What the hell are you talking about? Or was my relapse and remitting just my childhood days? Because I've always had some type of symptoms even when I wasn't having major attacks. So that's why I thought that's how my relapse and remaining was, but this is classifying it all differently. I do not agree with any of it, but I'm not a doctor, am I? I'm just some dumbass with a podcast that thinks he knows what he's talking about because he lives it. But instead, we should probably listen to the people that never dealt with it ever and <laughs> they tell us how we feel. <laughs> But we'll go with this, I guess. But they say RRMS symptoms generally only occur during a relapse, and the pattern of release and remission is predictable. I don't think it's predictable. I don't think the pattern has any predictability. (laughs) I'd be fine for with my normal issues and my normal problems, and all of a sudden get hit with a nasty relapse out of the blue. I mean, it it was not predictable at all. I wasn't planning on it. I could have been doing little or nothing and it just happens. So it might progress to cause more severe symptoms during a relapse, which the symptoms can stay around longer or get worse because of a relapse. Um, can get more difficult to manage over time, which means you're having more relapses along the way and more issues that are sticking around. And you're probably slowly advancing into secondary progressive MS. 
and they can progress to become secondary progressive MS, which I just mentioned. So, <laughs> so I should just read it instead of giving my point of view. But yeah, that's their opinion of relapsing rem remitting MS and clinically isolated syndrome. Both of which I have some issues with. I, I think it should have been labeled a lot differently explained a lot differently than that but who knows i am working on some things with these companies to possibly do some medical writings myself so i can get my point of view out and let people know what it was like for me to go through multiple sclerosis but secondary progressive ms spms is characterized by a steady progression of symptoms. More, It's way more aggressive than relapse and remitting MS. Might have periods of remission, which I do. I have some very painful things that go away here and there and then come back, but they don't, they don't ever fully go away. They're always there and they do come back. They might dis dissipate for a month or so, which my ripping side thing is was gone for a few weeks and then all of a sudden it came back the past couple weeks. It's actually gotten worse because now instead of just having half a day or overnight or just part of the day bad, now I'm having multiple days in a row where it just does not stop. It's just constantly hitting me. Which sucks because when I only ran a few hours or so or half a day, I could regulate my day around that. And that way I could go out and about when the things weren't happening as much. But not this last week. This last week when I was out and about doing things in stores and stuff, that prick hit me and it hit me hard. You sit there and just smile. Fight through it. It's hard to explain, but you don't want people to see what you're going through, even though I want to drop to my knees and just burst into tears and <laughs> scream out loud. And just like I'm being tortured because it feels like it. But now I hide it, fight it, deal with it. And then when I get home, I can sneak away and deal with it in my own way. But, yeah, it can get a lot more aggressive once you get into secondary progressive. You might have periods of remission. Symptoms increase and are more severe with each remission. So what they're saying is every time you something goes away for a little bit and comes back, you're just going to keep getting worse and worse, which I just kind of explained how my side ripping shit and it's not just in my sides now because now i got it where the front will get it like it's getting sliced open too and getting all those shards of glass soaked in rubbing alcohol shoved into the wounds and i got them in the back a couple times i it's gone further down into my hip and legs uh and then i had the thing last week where it felt like someone just stuck their hand behind the corner of my rib cage and just started pulling on it 
was trying to break a few of my ribs. That was fun. Don't know what the hell set that off. But that's how it works, kitties. Multiple sclerosis can cause you all kinds of strange, weird, oddball pains at any given moment. And there's no real way to explain it. Other than saying neuroplasticity, spasticity, whatever, all kinds of different issues happen. Then we get into primary progressive MS, which is a slow and steady progression of symptoms with no remission periods. Everything is slowly gets worse and worse and worse. The most rarely diagnosed form of MS. Uh, We finally just got a couple medications in the past couple years that you can use now for primary progressive MS. I believe Ocrevus and Mavenclad. Is it Mavenclad or Tisabri? Uh, there's two medications. I've talked about them, but it, my brain, my cog bog won't let me remember the shit. That's it's in front of me. But at least now they have some medications that DMTs that you can disease modifying drugs, disease modifying therapies that you can use for primary progressive. Thankfully, and it's not like it helps it. It just hopefully mellows things out enough that they don't advance as quickly. Uh, Most rarely diagnosed form of MS. Symptoms might plateau, but will not disappear. Uh, Progressive difficult walking is common in primary progressive MS. And the walking is terrible from way back in the relapse and remitting MS. So it just keeps walking just the gate just gets worse and worse as it goes. It's like you go from gimping to problems walking to stumbling to falling all that to using a cane to using a walker to using a wheelchair to being in a bed, whatever. And everybody's different. Hopefully many won't have to go through any of it. But you never know. It can happen. Then they like to go by the expanded disability status scale, the EDSS. They like to use that to kind of get a generalization of us, see how we're doing when we have to do our test at the neurologist office. So I was doing walking tests and stuff like that. And on the EDSS scale, uh, it goes from zero to 10, whereas zero is no disability. One is minimal symptoms. Two is minimal disability. Three is moderate disability. Four is significant disability. Five is disability limits and daily tasks. Or your disability limits your daily tasks. Six is walking aids are required. Seven is uses wheelchair exclusively. Eight is needs assistance with a wheelchair. Nine is unable to leave the bed. And ten is death from MS. I'm at a six. Pretty much closer to a seven at the moment. But yeah, I believe my EDSS rating was a six with my last assessment by my neurologist. 
The disease progression in MS can also be measured on the expanded disability status scale. The EDSS scale measures how MS is impacting eight functional symptoms, your, visional, your visual function, your bowel and blade function, your muscle control and strength, pyramidal, uh, your balance and coordination, cere cerebellar, uh, speech and swallowing, thinking and memory, sensory function, and then all other difficulties you have. People in early stages of MS might only have mild symptoms in one or two of the functional symptoms. As MS progresses, more systems are more systems are more severe. I think more symptoms are more severe is what they meant to say. Whoever wrote this, that they didn't fact check, double check, and quadruple check their writing. But, and then more sim systems are effective, which I still think it's supposed to be symptoms are effective, affected. Having MS doesn't mean that you'll progress through every status on the EDSS scale. In fact, two-thirds of people with MS will return their, re retain their ability to walk and will never pass status 7. In stages 1 through 4.5, people are still able to walk and retain independence. Uh, their classification if you want to break it down in a half point scale, they have zero for no, no disability. One is minimal symptoms impacting one functional symptom system, but no disability. 1.5 is minimal sim symptoms impacting more than one function sim system, but no disability. Two is a minimal disability symptoms in at least one functional system 2.5 is a mid disability symptoms in one functional system or minimal disability in two functional symptoms and it's just uh, this is too just the way they got this laid out i don't know so 2.5 is mild disability symptoms in one functional symptom System or minimal disability in two functional systems. Three is moderate disability symptoms in one functional system or mild disability in three, three or four functional systems. No difficulty walking. 3.5 is moderate disability in one functional system and more than minimal disability in several others. No, no difficult walking. Four is significant disability, but able to perform self-care activities and live independently, able to walk without assistance or rest for at least 500 meters, which is 1,640 feet. 4.5 is significant disability and some limits to the ability to perform daily tasks, still able to work and independently do most activities able to walk without assistance or rest for at least 300 meters, 984 feet. Five is a disability is significant enough that self-care and or that daily activities are impacted, might need assistance to work or perform self-care, 
able to walk with assistance or aid for at least 200 meters, 656 feet. 5.5 is disability is significant enough that self-care and other active daily activities might not be possible. Able to walk without assistance or rest for at least 100 meters, 328 feet. Need a walking, now six is need a walking aid, but can walk 100 meters, 328 feet without resting. 6.5 needs two walking aids, but can walk 20 meters, 66 feet without resting. Uh, seven is uses wheelchair exclusively, but able to transfer self in and out of the wheelchair, able to use a wheelchair independently. No longer able to walk more than 5 meters, which is 16 feet, even with an aid. 7.5 is might need help transferring in and out of the wheelchair. Might require a motorized wheelchair. Unable to walk more than a few steps. 8 is needs assistance to use a wheelchair. Still able to use arms and perform self-care. 8.5 is restricted to bed for most of the day. Still has some use of arms for self-care. Nine is unable to leave the bed, unable or able to communicate and eat though. 9.5 is unable to leave the bed and completely dependent and unable to communicate. Cannot eat or swallow independently. And 10 is death from MS. I'm at a 6.5 and I'm 50 years old. Yay. And mine is continuing to fucking progress. I'm not seeing no sign of plateauing off. But there's not much you can do about it. Work your lifestyle around it. Do things that can help keep keep the inflammation down and all that stuff. Work around it. Yeah. Lots of things can happen that can cause you to get diagnosed, to get you put it in your certain platforms, what diagnosis you should have, what kind of vision disturbances you got, your dizziness, weakness, numbness, electric shock feelings in your limbs, involuntary movements, tremors. Fatigue, weakness, numbness, tingling, pain, confusion, other cognitive difficulties, walking difficulties, vertigo, and tons of different things. And you can try things like a healthy diet, reducing stress, adding movement to your day, stretching often, trying yoga, meditation, or guided relaxation. There's pain medications such as naproxen, aspirin, ibuprofen, laxatives, stool softeners, corticosteroids, beta interferons, immunosuppressants, muscle relaxants, physical therapy, plasma exchange, acupuncture, and just tons of different things you can try and look into and use to help diagnose or just have your doctor diagnose to help you out. The best way to do it. 
Let's end this with some holiday plants. It's the holiday time of year. Some people might have got some plants for Christmas or something. Uh, ways you can care for them. For things such as poinsettias. To rejuvenate your poinsettia for next year's holiday season. Move it outside when the night temperatures are not apt to fall much below 50 degrees. Fahrenheit, 10 degrees Celsius, and prune it to keep it bushy and compact. To initiate flowering, the poinsettia needs long nights and complete darkness. Starting in early October, cover the plant with a cardboard box or keep it in a closet from about 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. and water sparingly. When it buds form in early December, stop the dark treatment. If you have a Christmas cacti, like poinsettias, Christmas cacti are available in a kaleidoscope of colors, including red, white, pink, cream, and fuchsia. Long-lived, they may produce bountiful blooms from 20 to 30 Christmases to come. You can force a Christmas cacti to into bloom in much the same way as a poinsettia by providing long nights. Starting around October 1st, you can also... Persuade it to flower by subjecting it to cool night temperatures of 50 degrees Fahrenheit to 55 degrees or 10 degrees Celsius to 13 degrees starting in early November. And then if you have a amaryllis, although they're, they can be purchased at any stage of development, for many the real fun is growing their own plant from a bulb. Most amaryllis bulbs are sold already potted and with complete growing instructions. Once watering is started, you can expect magnificent, magnificent lily-like blooms of red, pink, white, or orange in four to six weeks. After flowering, grow the amaryllis as a foliage plant until the leaves turn yellow. Then store the potted bulb on its side in a cool, dark room or basement to rest for 8 to 10 weeks. When new growth appears, repot the bulb and return it to the light to start the cycle again. Once your holiday plants are back on track, display them away from the drafts in a bright room, but not in direct sunlight. They all prefer 60 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, 16 to 21 degrees Celsius temperatures, and like moist but not soggy soil. As with many of us, these colorful plants are already looking forward to next year's holiday season. I picked up mom uh, a little while back, I think for her birthday or something like that, uh, an ice lily, I think it's called. And it just cracks me up. It's just a lily coming up out of hard dirt, and all you do is give it a couple ice cubes every few days. And it doesn't take much moisture at all because it just takes a little bit of moisture that comes from the ice cube. And thing looked like it was done for. Didn't see nothing for a couple months. Now, this past week, it's been blossoming up. So it's, you never know when they're going to pop up. But that was a really interesting plant that I picked up. I've never heard of giving your plant an ice cube for watering it and <laughs> it just it's very simple 
It's as simple as a cactus to take care of, but I think it was called an ice lily or something like that. My cat is rubbing all over me, going nuts, wants me to go upstairs and let him outside, I think. Even though it snowed yesterday, well, this morning. She didn't have a white Christmas, but now that Christmas is over, now we got snow on the ground. So So I am going to take him and let him play, see what he wants to do for the rest of the day, figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my day, get some more work done. But be good to yourself, be good to others, get shit out of the monster, keep him at bay, keep that monster away. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon.